the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we got a lot of guests. Uh, excuse me, we've got a lot to cover today, and uh, we'll get to it all. Um, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have um, our friend Todd Benzman will give us an update. We'll also get an update from Woody Woodrum uh, in California, the California Screaming Eagles conservative group there. And so uh, Todd Benzman will talk about I, I can't wait to ask Todd Benzman of the, of the Center for Immigration Studies about the State of the Union and uh, and Joe Biden saying he wants to secure the border. Um, He could do that if he wanted. He's just not doing it. So we'll uh, talk with Todd Benzman about that. All right. First, what you need to know today, what you need to know today. uh, Look, here's the something I want to preview for you. What I want to preview for you is what's coming is a fight over pro-life. It looks like this summer, the U.S. Supreme Court will have a decision uh, that may reverse Roe v. Wade. Could happen, in which case <clears throat> states will have a chance to decide about abortion. To, earlier today, earlier on uh, on um, uh, Thursday, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down a decision uh, in which a the uh, Kentucky um, well, Kentucky passed a law. In Kentucky, passed a law. Um, let me find this. Hold on. Let me make sure to get you this to your right. Um, the uh, Kentucky passed a law. And the law was challenged by uh, uh, folks, and the Kentucky Attorney General said, hey, wait a second, I want to get in on this action. And so he wanted to get in, and he filed a brief, and I, I, we actually, the Eagle Forum Education Legal Defense Fund, filed a brief with him uh, that allowed us, to, saying he should be allowed to intervene, because he wanted to defend the pro-life law that was passed in Kentucky, but the governor, who's a Democrat, pro-abortion Democrat, said um, he wanted to leave it stand. And the attorney general said, wait, I'm elected by the people, too. I want to defend this law. It's an interesting argument because on one level, you often say the attorney general is the lawyer for the governor of a state. But it's not true. And here's why it's not true, because at least in Kentucky, as well as Missouri, which I know best, there are lawyers that work for the governor. But the attorney general is elected to his own constitutional office with his own rights, his own role in the Constitution. And, you know, in 2012, I was the nominee for attorney general in Missouri. And at that time, we were all roiled, roiled by the Obamacare controversy. Obamacare had been forced through the legislature, through the U.S. Congress. And then it was being uh, we were being told every state had to take it and had to live with it in whatever way it was uh, coming down upon them. And lots of the mandates and things were being required on the citizens of the states, and states didn't want it. And so I learned up close and personal how important it was to have attorneys general who stand up. And actually, we used to talk about standing in the gap, standing in the gap. And the reason why is because we, the people give our sovereignty to the federal government, but we only do it through the states. We don't do it directly. We actually are a federalist, a federal system that has this built-in 
check and balance. And so when we take our sovereignty, we the people have sovereignty in America. We decided to band together different than, you know, different in the, in other parts of the world, the sovereignty of a nation went to the king, the divine right of kings, and the king gave sovereignty to the people. It was by his great uh, uh, generous uh, act that he gave sovereignty. Think about England, sovereignty to the people. No, in America, we the people have sovereignty from God directly to we the people, and we give that up to the federal government, but only through the states, only through our sovereign, only through our states. And therefore, the attorney general has a role, one would say a duty, you could say an obligation, but certainly a role to stand between we the people and the federal government and articulate the importance of these positions. Well, that's what Daniel Cameron, the man who is the current attorney general of Kentucky, did in this case, he said, wait, there's a law that's been passed by Kentucky, by the legislature, that has to do with uh, limiting abortion. I think it's 11 weeks or so. And he said, I'm going to defend that. If that's going to be challenged, I should defend that. The uh, the uh, governor who's pro-abortion said, well, I'm the governor. If that law passes, and I think they passed it by overriding his veto, then he's not going to defend it. Well, the the uh, attorney general has that right. And what the 8-1, to one, the U.S. Supreme Court, ruled this week that the attorney general does have the right to get into court and defend that that case. And it's eight to one, right? Sotomayor was the only one that was against it. And so even Kagan and even uh, Breyer, in this case, were on board saying, oh, wait a second, this is something that the role the Constitution contemplates, which is a good sign. It also means, by the way, that there'll be times where Democrat, Democrat attorney general in a place like California, if you, it's hard to imagine that there could ever be a Republican governor uh, and a Democrat attorney general in California right now. It did happen under Schwarzenegger, of course, a few decades ago, a few, de- a few years ago. Unlikely right now, but could happen. It could happen. In Missouri, for a period of time, we had Republican governors and we had a Democrat attorney general. Uh, under Jay Nixon, Jay Nixon was the attorney general, and uh, Governor Matt Blunt was the was the uh, governor. I know that one, in, you know, pretty well. And so that could happen. And there'll be a time then, where, therefore, where Democrat will say, "I get to st- I, I get to stand up and play this role." We should, you should welcome, we should welcome that. We shouldn't welcome it only on one position, say on the issue of abortion. We should welcome it on under the idea that we want the attorneys general to stand in the gap between our sovereignty as citizens and our citizenship in the state and the federal government as another check, as another creation of balance is a, it's a very good one. It's a very important one. It's one we should be um, clear about. And it's great that the Supreme court did that. I have to say one of the great things that my organization that I work with, the Phyllis Lively Eagles does is finds these opportunities uh, to contribute to the illegal debate in this case, an amicus brief filed on behalf of Attorney General Kentucky Attorney General Dan, Daniel Cameron to allow it to say, hey, he does have that right. It's good stuff. It's important stuff. It's, I'm glad it's happening and uh, proud of it. And even better that the Supreme Court was eight to one. Now, again, beware, be aware, this is going to be a contentious six months, five to six months. I guess it's less than that now. It's already March, March, April, May. So three or four months. By the end of June, maybe the 1st of July, we're going to see up close and personal what the decision in the Dobbs case is. 
and it's going to change the I think it's going to change the direction of the country in a very positive way. Yeah, let's see. Uh July, yeah. J- June June um uh June 30th, you know, they they start turning uh, uh putting down decisions and uh and they by the end of June, sometimes the first days of July will be the last decisions of the US Supreme Court from this term. But here's a trick. The last day of the month, excuse me, the last day of of uh of uh June is the 30th is a Thursday. So the 1st is a Friday. And then it's 4th of July weekend, right? So the 4th of July weekend, Monday is July 4th. And Monday is July 4th. Therefore, uh, you can rest assured that that decision will come out either on the 30th Thursday or on the 1st Friday, 30th of June or the 1st of July, because there's no way that they'll wait until after July 4th. That's just a reality of the, uh, the, uh, uh, of the, um, um, way the court deals with those uh, decisions. Down the stretch, the most controversial will be done the last, and that's what you can count on. So that's what we're looking for. It's going to be a huge deal. It's going to be a huge decision, and I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention. It's going to, a lot of things are going to change. So we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. All right. Uh, we Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. I had an interview last week with um, – 10 days ago, with my old friend John Cribbs, the author of Old Abe. And uh, someone emailed me over the weekend and said, hey, what about, um, uh, what about the, um, uh, the, that interview? Where can I get it? ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, the uh, ProAmericaReport.com is um, uh, where you can go and see all these interviews and get all these interviews and uh, be able to take a look at that. So, um, do that. Do that. All right. Uh, coming up in a few moments. Let me see. I'm trying to look at my notes here. Coming up. Yes, uh, we've got uh, today Todd Benzman giving us an update, especially on the guy who's on the terror watch list. He's on a terror watch list. And uh, we uh, I have to say he, he's now gone up to Detroit. He got through the border because the border's wide open. And we'll get an update from Todd Benzman. And then we also will talk with Woody Woodrum about California and the California Screaming Eagles. Woody's got a strategy. It's interesting. He's got a strategy on open races for the state house. He's got an opinion that they need opponents. They need Republicans running against these Democrats, even if they're long shots, because they make the arguments. We'll hear from Woody Woodrum in a moment. All right, everybody, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with our old friend Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman, of course, is the, uh, let me get it right. I do this to you all the time, Todd. I say it's the Senior National Security Fellow uh, over at the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. Prolific writer. He's got a piece coming up on thefederalist.com. We'll talk about in a moment. And his book, which is on my bookshelf, is called America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. This has the distinction, by the way, that title and the and the topic of being the thing my wife will, I told you before, Todd, will come back around and say, we have this open border. Aren't the bad guys coming? And I say, yeah, the bad guys are coming. And Todd has written about it. So welcome back, Todd Benzman. How are you? Oh, great. Great to be here. Thanks. So on this topic, and again, let me say CIS.org is the Center for Immigration Studies, a huge amount of stuff there. They've got a great team. Um, but so tell me, I, this piece that you've got going up at thefederalist.com posting very soon, it's an update on one of these bad guys coming through the border. Walk us through what you've got. That's right. You won't see this anywhere else. Nobody's covering it. Uh, the media is just ignoring this, but I find it to be a very important national security story. 
in December, a Venezuelan, a Lebanese-born Venezuelan migrant swam the Rio Grande. And when they ran his fingerprints and name, found that he was on the FBI's terrorism watch list with substantial derogatory intelligence about his group membership back in Venezuela. So this was uh, ordinarily, uh, you know, something like this, you have the FBI go down and interview and interrogate, and then you would deport somebody like this. But when they tried to keep him detained, ICE headquarters in Washington, D.C. intervened and ordered him freed, despite the FBI's recommendation that he be detained on grounds that he was a flight risk. Why did they order him released? Because he was overweight and a COVID risk, a risk of catching COVID. So that guy is running around in the Detroit area pursuing an asylum claim. So the the update on that, which you can read uh, any any minute now at The Federalist, uh, where I also publish, uh, is that eight members of Congress want to have a hearing about this. They're going to be GOP people in the minority in the House on the uh, Homeland Security Subcommittee. And they've asked the Democrats to hold a hearing on this and they're getting just blank silence uh, ignored. They're getting no, no response whatsoever. I put in requests to Sheila Jackson Lee's office for comment and to give me an update on where they are with this hearing request. And they're not responding to my emails either. So the consequence is that this whole thing is just staying under the radar. They're not able to get answers about why this happened, how this thing could have happened like that. Uh, We're talking again with Todd Bensman of the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Your piece on this, I'm looking at it right now uh, from January 31st. So there's an update coming, which is, I guess, about two weeks later. Oh, no, almost a month later. um, You'll be updating on this. I should point out, and you've done it very well every time we've talked, a New York Times, former New York Times uh, writer, uh, Charlie LaDuff, is up there living in the Detroit area. He reported on this first. Um, So, uh, uh, Todd, when you say it's an update, um, the guy's been found. Is I mean, or I think he's been found. Right. Is there any movement on is does he is he going to be uh, I don't know. Is anything going to happen? Well, it doesn't look like it. Uh, His we know where he is. He's he's living at a particular address in the Detroit area. And I'm in touch with Charlie fairly regularly about this. And he Charlie actually went and knocked the door and called him up and. Uh, you know, tried to get him to interview and they've just shut down completely on him, of course. Right. But he has a he has a an asylum hearing in about a week. And uh, it looks like Charlie's going to go try to attend that. I'm going to guess they'll close it to him. But the point is, is that that he is still free and running around to, uh, you know, pursue an asylum claim. Huh. And he's on the FBI's terrorism watch list. I have yeah. the documents myself now. Uh, so, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah, you know. it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, uh, Todd, let me shift over also over at CIS.org. Todd Benzman, his um, author page will show his writings on this. About a week ago, you wrote about the air deportations. So um, there, you know, there are some people who, when they're detained, will be sent back on planes. They'll be deported by air. And your your piece describes how they are. The, the Biden administration is sending some people back. Um, but is it working? Well, 
it's true that the Biden administration has very quietly ordered a very significant air deportation, ICE air deportation operation that targets the migrants that are the most numerous in nationality who are crossing. There's been zero media reporting about this, but it, it's nailed. I have this thing nailed. I've watched them board the planes. Uh, so uh, my theory about this is that the administration is deeply concerned about the midterm elections. They're polling really terribly on this issue. It's right up there with inflation and uh, co- you know mandates, uh, vaccine mandates, and all all of those issues. It's uh, the Im- illegal immigration one is right up there, and they're trying to uh, eliminate the reduce the numbers that are coming across, which are just astronomical. But the numbers are coming down. The trend line is just slightly down now for about five months each month, down, 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 not by a huge amount, 14% from January over December. Uh, so, But when you look deeper into the numbers, you find that the nationalities that are down the most uh, that are making up that 14% happen to be the immigrants that are being targeted for these air deportation operations back to Guatemala, Honduras, Haiti. They're targeting Central Americans and Haitians, and now they've expanded the flights to include Venezuelans, which is the new du jour migrant crossing in huge numbers, 25,000 in December, 22,000 in January. Uh, And now they're targeting Venezuelans to be shipped back to Colombia, and they're doing that. So for whatever reason that the administration is doing that, uh, you know, whether it's just for their own political good in the midterms or whatever, I find that a bit of a silver lining, <laughs> you know, in a, a terrible, uh, you know, storm that's happening down at the border. Uh, you, yeah. Yeah. Todd, we're going Todd Benzman. I'm um, Todd. You watched the state of the union, or I'm sure you saw the clips. I don't know if you suffered through the whole thing, but um, you know, you, you mentioned something that the Democrats uh, are realizing politically they're going to, they're starting to pay a price on this issue. Um, when you watch that state of the union on, on the issue of immigration and the border, I mean, it's not that Biden lies. He just says things that aren't true, meaning he, he's not lying about what he's going to do. He's not going to do anything, but the opposite is happening, right? We need to secure the border. He says, well, you're the one in charge. I mean, he could do it, right? I mean, he's just not doing it. Well, first of all, I get paid to listen to the, that speech. So I, <laughs> okay. I, did, I did listen to the whole thing because they, they paid me. It's my job. But, okay. <laughs> but having said that, um, the, the notable, uh, what was notable to me about the speech was uh, that the administration talked about, uh, I mean, he talked about that his administration would do, uh, the, you know, these technological, you know, wizardry that would stop illegal immigration. But all of that talk about technology is a feint. It's a look over here, we're doing something, never mind all the hundreds of thousands that are crossing, uh, despite all the tech that we've got out there. It's it absolutely the tech has very little to do with what's happening at the border and they know it. It's like talking about root causes and nation building in Honduras or something, you know, uh, none of that stuff is going to work. It's just something that to, for, for people to gnaw on while the immigrants pour over the border. 
But the other notable thing about the, the speech was that he talked about improving the asylum processes so that more can come in faster, <laughs> which is just absurd. Uh, he never talked about, we have to fix the asylum system so that it can't be abused like it is. Uh, where people just start coming in and abusing the thing. It's about how to get more people in faster. Uh, and unless you know immigration, uh, you know, I think people didn't really pick up on that. Uh, that's their, their, their mantra to the liberal side of the party. They right. have to have, they have to have those, the liberal progressives feeling okay. Uh, and they're, they're increasingly not. I think that the liberal progressives are aware of these air deportation flights. And you've had three significant immigration advisors from that quarter resign from the White House recently. Uh, Todd, when I want to about that, that subject, there were, I think, at least two, maybe three Democrat responses to the State of the Union uh, and by the more progressives. How, you know, again, the people who want more immigration, who want amnesty, who want uh, to move, you know, uh, towards full on open borders that I'm not saying they're even remotely a, a majority or plurality, but in the Democrat Party, they're vocal. How what's the, What's your sense of how are, are, are the activists mad at Biden or do they see enough of what they want that they don't care what he says? Well, they are increasingly infuriated. They are, I mean, I, I'm on different email lists. I get, I just had one yesterday come in from RAISIS, which is a super uh, pro-illegal immigration anti-borders group. <clears throat> and, you know, they're asking their members to complain to the White House that they're, that Biden is not following through on his promises because they want and expected and have influence uh, to open the borders wide completely. They want Title 42 eliminated. They want, uh, you know, faster uh, uh, resettlement and they want uh, a whole host of things that would just mean that there's absolutely nothing standing in the way of an illegal immigrant from crossing and settling in Indiana or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and they all profit on that. Right. They, they profit on that. So they are angry right now. And what I heard in the speech uh, was what I didn't hear most, which was we're going to deport. We're going to crack down. We're going to bring the numbers down. What he said was we are going to do all these things that allow more to come in, but secretly they're doing air deportation. And they're keeping Title 42. They just renewed Title 42, which is the pandemic, because they the pragmatists in the White House, and this is important, there are political pragmatists. They're still lefties, but they don't want to lose power over this immigration policy. And they are starting, in my opinion, to seize control back over these policies. 
from the liberals. Yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe they're doing maybe. it because maybe they're doing it because uh, of they know that they'll get the media to cover the the sound bites and the clips, like in the State of the Union. You know, we need to secure the border, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, good, man. That guy's on our side. Well, he's in charge, right? I mean, it's, he could he could do it tomorrow. So it, I, it may be about twenty twenty two more than it's about uh, anything else. But all right, Todd, we got to run. Todd Benzman, everybody, cis.org. Visit there. Uh, he has uh, his writings uh, under his author page. Also at the Federalist. Dot com uh, posted up. Uh, there'll be an update on the Venezuelan who's on the uh, terror watch, watch list and a lot more. We'll talk again soon. Uh, Todd, be careful and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Woody Woodrum is with us. Woody Woodrum, of course, is a, well, he's a Navy veteran, a submariner, as well as one of the great uh, leaders, grassroots leaders, especially in California, in the San Diego area. Heads up the California Screaming Eagles, which is the Phyllis Schlafly organization that he started out there. It's really his organization, works with us and the Eagles across the country. And of course, he's also organized in all kinds of ways within the Republican Party, within conservatives, and just uh, a great observer of politics. Politics, one of the late Phyllis Schlafly's trusted hands on uh, on what's happening on the ground. So welcome back, Woody. First, I ask you a question about veterans. And, and I know you've spent a lot of time helping veterans. You are yourself a veteran. You're a cold warrior. So you've got a perspective, too. Um, how, do, how do you react to the idea of war, especially with a nuclear superpower, you know, out there? I don't know, not saber rattling, nuclear button rattling. Well, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, Ed, I hadn't really thought about it that much, uh, you know, uh, to talk about it. But it, it brings up an interesting position. You know, we, we have we have the best trained military in the world, with uh, bar none. And uh, I think that the stuff that's going on there uh, is a lot of saber rattling. Uh, I remember back during the Cold War, you know, we had a couple of times when everybody was talking about pushing the button and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, this thing that's going on with the Ukraine and Russia and the United States and China, uh, I, it, it really looks like to me, I was doing some research on it, that it's all about the oil. If you look at the, the Ukraine, there's 11 basic uh, pipelines that come out of Russia that head south and, and east. Five of those 11 go right through, uh, right through the Ukraine. So I think that that's part of what it is. And uh, I think that they're trying to... Uh, the Russians are trying to control all of the oil in Europe, which they have done a really good job over the past couple of years. And I'm I'm hopeful that there are cool heads out there and that we don't have some megalomaniac uh, that's that's in charge of all of this. that's going to say, well, I'm going to push the button. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Russia and China and the United States are pretty level headed all in all with the way that they control that. Yeah, uh, it certainly is. I just I, I kind of uh, uh, I often remind people when you think it's a uh, some kind of big battle between Russia and the Ukraine or whatever. Uh, Russia is a nuclear power. I mean, it's the old Soviet Union. It's thousands of nuclear warheads. It's a it's just a different dynamic. You got to be aware. Of. But all right, Woody, we're talking with Woody Woodrum and Woody. Uh, give me an update on California. Last time we talked is about a month ago or so. I don't know, maybe before more longer than that. You know, I, I, it's tough to see how California uh, turns doesn't look like there's much hope in an opposition to Newsom at this point in 2022, at least. What are you, what are you feeling on the ground there? And, 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 and is, yeah, well, how do you, how do you keep your, you're pretty good at keeping people's spirits up. How do you do it right now? Well, I think you're right about Newsom. Uh, you know, we, we did the recall. We were successful in getting the signature for the recall, but we were unsuccessful in getting Newsom uh, replaced. 
and and this has to do with the you know with the machinery that the parties have, uh, both the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. We we have a in my view we have a problem with the Republican Party in in state of California and that they're kind of lackadaisical. They don't get behind things and they don't start these things up, and they they don't push them until after it looks like it's getting out there with the people, and there's an overwhelming. That's exactly what happened in the uh, in the recall. Uh, the Republican Party. It's kind of like almost that there's a parade coming and there's some guy that's standing there next to you on the curb that's watching and he's dressed in a, uh, you know, <laughs> in a uniform and everything. And then he gets out there and the parade gets there and the band's there and he goes out and he pushes his way in there and all of a sudden he's out there leading the band. He's walking in <laughs> front of the band, but he had nothing to do with putting the band together. Right, um, right, right. And, and, so we've got a lot of grassroots activity. And, and you know, one of the things that's that's going on, we're, we're looking at something kind of interesting here in state California. I was just up in uh, Fresno this past weekend with a, with a group of leaders from across the state, all of them conservative grassroots leaders. And um, it's kind of funny. We're looking at the at Los Angeles County and Los Angeles County. We have uh, with U.S. Uh, U.S. representatives, state senators and state assembly people. We have 54 seats just in Los Angeles County. And and that's basically you know over thirty percent of the uh, of the state and federal elected officials that we have here in, in California. Right. One of the things that we found out is out of these fifty four seats, we have twelve of these seats that have absolutely no Republican running. There is huh. a Democrat incumbent, and there's no Republican. And it doesn't look like that the party's doing a lot about it. Well, we've come up and devised a plan, and I'm not going to say it over the radio because I'm not going to give it away. Right. But we have devised a plan on these 12 seats of how we can get somebody in there at no cost, no expense, and and get and get a you know a grassroots candidate in there to at least run for office and maybe get a little bit of name recognition for the next uh, and preparations for the next one. And it also gives us some uh, uh, some cachet within the Republican Party because. When we run these people, uh, they become delegates and they get to appoint delegates to the state level. So right. this is one of the things that we're working on, uh, you know, and it's kind of a novel idea that we've come up with over the past couple of months. And uh, we'll see how it plays out here in the next uh, in the next few weeks. Well, and, and we're talking again with Woody Woodrum, uh, uh, founder and, and the leader of the California Screen, Screaming Eagles and, and uh, active in the conservative movement all over California, but especially Southern California. Um, Woody, uh, do you how, how is the issue, you know, it, it, it nationally? Uh, Joe Biden's numbers have tanked, right? So you do a poll and you see it and and it's obvious um, uh, the generic ballot for Democrats have tanked, right? So it's it's a it's a really rough time for the Democrats. Um, one of the key issues and and uh, a few minutes ago we had on the program Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies, and he was talking about how you hear some language out of the administration now about secure the border because they're afraid of the 2022 elections, even though they're not doing anything. But has that issue, Woody, even in the last decade? You know, before Trump and then, of course, because of Trump uh, and his campaign, as well as his presidency, the issue of the uh, of the border, securing the border uh, of illegal immigration. And in California, it's always been a little complicated, rather, whether you go all the way back to, you know, the uh, the the governor's races in the late 90s. Is that issue uh, right now? How does that issue of immigration, illegal immigration, secure the border feel uh, in terms of the parties? Well, in terms of the parties, uh, I think that the parties are, are basically backing away from it. The people are still frustrated about it, and people are still active in this. And this is one of the things that uh, that a lot of the candidates get out. And it's uh, it's a little bit of red meat that they can throw out there. One person supports the 
uh, all of this stuff coming in and bringing people in and, and putting them on the dole and the government paying for it, whereas the the conservative candidates are against it. And this this has to do, I, I think that part of this has to do with the overall election. If you look at the state of California, for instance, we're going to have uh, mail-in ballots again. Uh, and they're going they, they just came out with a mailer from the Secretary of State that they're going to be sending out ballots to every registered voter. And, of course, uh, as the illegals come across, they can go down to the DMV now and they can get a driver's license. And part of the package that they give them at the DMV is a uh, is a voter registration. And uh, the Secretary of State came out a couple of years ago and said, well, if they fill one of these out, it's, it's through no fault of their own. And, yes, they may be a registered voter, but they shouldn't be voting. But we're going to send them a ballot anyway. Uh, wow. Because the DMV right. tells them fill out all the fill out all this paperwork, and wow. it doesn't really get vetted that well. So, I, you know, it's 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 kind of you have to wonder how many people are actually going to be on there uh, on the ballots uh, that are going to be illegally yeah. voting. Yeah. Does yeah. does does does, does the, uh, do the do the are the Democrats sane Democrats? There are some that aren't just AOC types. Are they have they had enough? Can you tell? Are they are they kind of saying quietly, like, you know, this has gone too far or are they still just hanging in with uh, with uh, the, the uh, I mean, I know I look, I know 40 percent or 50 percent of California is going to always be far left. But some of the other sane Democrats may be saying this isn't a this isn't a good path forward. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who happens to be a Democrat, and he's uh, I would call I would call him a blue dog Democrat. Right. Um, and and this is one of the things in the state of California that you know what is the things that really concern people? Jobs and money are the two big things. And what 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 have they done? They've raised the gas tax. We got uh, gasoline is uh, right at five dollars a gallon here. At some places, that when I was traveling to uh, Fresno. Uh, this past weekend, there were some places along the freeway where it was uh, it was well over five dollars a gallon. Wow. So that hurts people. And who does that hurt? That hurts the people who can least afford it. The other thing is our taxes. They keep raising the taxes for stupid things. And we've got all kinds of money that goes in there and it's just mismanaged, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so, you know, here again, we've got taxes that are being taken out of people's paychecks. And we've got a huge exodus that's still taking place in the state of California. A lot of people are leaving the state of California purely due to the gasoline and the taxes uh, that's that's being taken out of their of their paychecks. And when I was talking to this guy, he said that he thinks that there's a that there's a swell of people that are going up. And here's the thing. He's pretty smart. He's a pretty smart guy, and he's got uh, he's got his pulse on a lot of different things that I don't really look at. And that's one of the reasons I like talking to him. Right. Uh, he said that he thinks that the Democrats in this election uh, that they're not going to, you know, that they're not really supporting Biden, that they're not really supporting Newsom. And what does that mean? What it possibly means is is that they're not going to come out and vote. They're they're fed up with it. They're they're sick and tired with all this stuff. And they're not going to come out and vote. And it looks like that the Republicans are getting more and more frustrated and that they may be coming out and vote. So that's one of the things that we're kind of looking at. It's, it's kind of hard to tell who is actually going to show up at the polls. But I know that the Democrats are going to spend a lot of money in advertising. They've got, uh, you know, a boatload of money and, and big bucks behind them. Um, and then there's the question about the voting machines that is out there in everybody's mind. And we talk about it a lot. Uh, there's there's indications that uh, that there's problems uh, galore with a lot of the voting machines and stuff, but nothing is being done about it. So 
So you've got you've got that also. You know, people are saying, "I want to vote, but is my vote going to count?" I'm yeah. frustrated about this, but is my vote going to count? So yeah. that, there's kind of a whole turmoil that's going on there with people on on uh, on both sides because even a lot of the Democrats are now starting to say maybe there is part of you know a a, a problem. Uh, part and parcel with these various different voting machines and the way that we're doing these elections. And they're starting to, some of them are saying, some of the more, what I would call, like you mentioned, the more sane Democrats, uh, that are not, you know, total uh, progressive left wing. Uh, they're starting to wonder about some of this stuff and they're looking at the way that their money is being mismanaged and, and misspent. Yeah. And so, it, so there, there it is, kind of in a nutshell. It is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what, what, the, what you know. Again, and and you know, we've talked about on the program. Again, we're talking with Woody Woodrum uh, that it, it may be that in in late June, early July, Roe v. Wade is reversed, and I think the Democrats will count on that motivating their base. I think it works for some of the base, but I'm not sure it works for enough of it, but uh, we'll have to see. All right, I got to run. Woody Woodrum, thank you as always. Hey, uh, Woody, if people want to get connected to you, what's the best way to connect to you? You know, the best way is my email, Woody for 53 at yahoo.com, W-O-O-D-Y-F-O-R-5-3 at yahoo.com. That would be the best way to get in touch with me right now. All right. Woody Woodrum, thank you as always. Uh, we'll take a break, everybody. We've got to uh, uh, take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Yesterday was an anniversary you probably did not hear about. It was on March 3rd, 1865, that President Abraham Lincoln signed an act of Congress for the last time before his assassination. It was a law requiring that the motto, In God We Trust, should be inscribed on all our national coins. In a later year, on March 3, in 1931, Congress adopted Francis Scott Key's Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. The fourth stanza of our national anthem proclaims, And this be our motto, In God is our trust. This motto was then inscribed in the U.S. House chamber, above the Speaker's rostrum, above the Senate's main southern door, on a tribute block inside the Washington Monument, and on a stained-glass window in the chapel in the U.S. Capitol. This motto has been frequently quoted by our nation's presidents prior to Barack Obama, who never refers to it. President Harry Truman said in 1949, When the U.S. was established, it chose the motto, In God We Trust. That is still our motto, and we still place our firm trust in God. Then, when President Dwight Eisenhower spoke at a ceremony in 1954 honoring the first stamp bearing the motto, In God We Trust, Eisenhower said, America's greatness has been based on the spiritual quality symbolized by the postage stamp that will be issued today, which places a message, Here is the land that lives in respect for the Almighty's mercy to us. Each of us hereafter, fastening such a stamp on a letter, cannot fail to feel something of the inspiration that we do whenever we read, In God We Trust. Groups of citizens are now trying to hang In God We Trust banners on the walls of auditoriums where city councils or school boards have their official meetings. We urge you to cooperate in that patriotic endeavor. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, I want to finish up with a quick thank you. Okay, this hasn't happened in a while, and I haven't heard much about him. I know that there's Lindell TV out there, and Mike Lindell is out on uh, still selling pillows and things, but he's been banged around by the, the cancel culture. Let me just say this. If people haven't said thank you for that guy, he's been a fearless patriot. He's worn his heart and his faith on his sleeve, and it's only cost him, hasn't it? It's extraordinary. And, you know, now that we're seeing things like out of Wisconsin, the Zuckerbucks, the expose there, you know, Mike Lindell is really an American original, an American hero, and just quite a guy. I've only met him once. He's extraordinary to meet. He's in a tour de force. So I just would say in praise of Mike Lindell. I mean, the guy just is a he's just a great American. So uh, I just was thinking of that. We got no time left. Thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great uh, producer, and Joanna Spilger for helping us produce things. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.